Welcome to the Food Lens Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Smart, New England food writer and founder of The Not Just Company. And I'm your host, Molly Ford, co-founder of The Food Lens, your online resource for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston. On each episode of our podcast, we chat with restaurant industry insiders, digging into business, passion projects, and food trends to see what's shaping the New England restaurant scene. On today's episode, we're chatting with Kathy Sedell, owner of Met Restaurants, Stephanie's, and one of our favorite little seafood bars, Salty Girl. Hey guys, before we get started with our interview, I want to tell you about Image Unlimited Communications, a PR agency that cares about restaurants just as much as we do. This Boston-based firm has a unique and effective personalized approach, and they've got the local and national media clips to prove it. The sharp focus on lifestyle, restaurants, and consumer goods, the agency has the contacts and the hustle to get you the placements that really move the needle for your brand. Whether you're looking for help with public relations, event planning, digital marketing, or social media, Image Unlimited Communications is here to help. Check them out at www.iucboston.com. That's iucboston.com. Hey, Catherine, how are you? I'm good, Molly. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Feeling really energetic today. <laughs> when are you not energetic? You're always bringing that bubbly West Coast vibes. It takes a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have Kathy Sedell coming in today. I know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm always excited about everyone, but Kathy seems like a badass businesswoman, but also really relatable. I mean... A creeper on Instagram, just like everyone else we interview. And uh, she loves to travel. She loves food. She loves wine. She's just a really interesting person to talk to. And I can't wait to pick her brain. Yeah. I mean, she's so smart. She's run these restaurants for a really long time. Um, Obviously, Met has, in all its iterations, has been really successful. And then with Salty Girl, you know, it's this whole new energy uh, around that little restaurant. It's it's fantastic. Uh, and she also strikes me as someone who wants to help a girl out. You know, like she has really great insight and I feel like she's willing to share it. Definitely. And for whatever reason, I don't see her as a super intimidating woman. I feel like she'll be just a really great resource for us today in the studio and maybe going forward. I mean, it's not like we want her to adopt us or anything. <laughs> Please take us to Nantucket with you. <laughs> we'll cook for you. <laughs> Kathy, we're so excited to have you in studio. I stalk you on Instagram, so it's great to see you face-to-face right now. Yes, right? I appreciate that, yeah. (laughs) Well, I really want to know more about your background. Yes. I mean, I know your dad was a banker, and he was financing restaurants in the 80s, and your sister owned the Stephanie's group for a while until yes. like you recently took for, over. For a long while. Yeah. 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> so I really just want to know more about, you know, your family's background in restaurants and sure. then how you got involved. Well, it's interesting. You know, I was going through a box last night and I found this article. I posted it about my dad that was written it for, when he was 42 years old. And even though, of course, I know the story a thousand times over, reading it, through somebody else's lens was so interesting for me. Just they were so succinct about his career. And I I didn't realize how young he was, that this is actually when he like acquired all these banks. And um, the the person that wrote the article was just so uh, insightful about him. And it brought him back to me in such a powerful way. I mean, you know, not that I ever forget who he was and what he was brilliant at. 
But reading this was just, I mean, it was thrilling to me. He was a major foodie. He had a mother that was an extraordinary cook, apparently. I never met her. I only have her recipe box. He was a very unusual guy. And in the article, it talks a lot about the fact that he was a lender. He was a banker and he was a lender. And he really uh, wound up, I think, on a very human level, lending to people who he felt were really passionate about what they were doing. And I think ultimately, you know, that's how he got into the restaurant business because he was passionate about it and got to meet all these extraordinary chefs. And this was really pre-Uber Chef. You know, we're talking like the late 70s. And I mean, there were great restaurants in town, but there weren't they weren't necessarily chef driven. And um, I think my dad really had his finger on the pulse in terms of how the culinary scene was changing. And he was a huge p- proponent of it. Um, I mean, literally no banks would lend to restaurants. Uh, they didn't understand the business. They didn't understand how to read a P&L. They didn't know why and how they failed or they were successful. And I think my dad um, saw something that no one else had seen at the time. I mean, it wasn't really maybe until later that I realized how lucky I was to be exposed at a young age to really fabulous food. And my sister as well. Uh, so we both have the food thing, obviously. So did you guys decide to get into the restaurant industry around the same time? Um, she got at it a lot earlier than I did. Um, she worked for my dad at the bank and did the private dining room there. And she started a catering company, which was very successful, and then decided to buy uh, Stephanie's on Newberry, which was the bookstore cafe at the time. And that was 25 years ago. You know, it's had an incredible run. I mean, I'm sure as you guys know, having gone to BU, that that's like where everybody takes their parents. I mean, brunch is insane there. It's still, it's like an original Boston uh, establishment. And, you know, I just started, uh, I mean, we just bought it from my sister in March. And um, I feel, I wrote her a really beautiful note. And I feel like I have a responsibility to make it the best it can be, because it still has her name on the door. And um, she's been an incredible mentor in my life. And I think when I saw her have her own business, it was quite an awakening for me. I mean, I was doing film, and I had an office actually on Newberry Street, uh, 115 Newberry. And I went to Columbia Film School, I food and film passions. And, you know, they kept saying, well, you sure you don't want to do this with Steffi? And I'm like, no, I, I got to do my film thing, you know, for a long time. But I, I watched her grow the business and uh, make some really smart decisions at some very critical times. And she had just a sense of independence and confidence and um, an understanding of what her brand was way before we talked about any of these things. And that was a time that there weren't a lot of women in the restaurant business, right? Especially not ones like, my name is on the door. Like There was Joe's and Charlie's. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> on the same block. On the same block. <laughs> right. So. And I think she was so ahead of her time. I mean, be bold and put the name on the door. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer now for us. I mean, it's like if you don't do that, it's – you know what I mean? If you, you're yeah. not forefront, hashtag female-owned, um, I mean, we wear it really proudly. I, I don't know how aware she was of that decision, um, but wow. Definitely. Yeah. And so when was it that you officially got involved in the restaurant scene? Oh, um, 
I got involved probably 16 years ago um, when I opened the Metropolitan Club in Chestnut Hill. And my dad had a run at owning some restaurants. He was a much better banker than he was a restaurateur. But, (laughs) you know, again, he was very specific about his food and he didn't realize that people don't necessarily like to eat the same way he liked to eat. So what do you mean you don't like borscht? What do you mean? I was like, <laughs> Dad, you know, don't put it on the menu. Anyway, he, um, so he actually had Pommes Frites, a French fry restaurant that was in Chestnut Hill in that uh, strip mall. And then Todd English bought it from him and did figs. But my dad was still involved financially. And then Todd had complications with his investors and was going to sell that. And my father said, are, are you ready to open a restaurant? No. <laughs> are you kidding me? Am I ready? I, I, I don't know. Um, and I said, look, Dad, it's in the middle of a strip mall. I need the corner. I need visibility. I don't want to be buried in the middle of a strip mall. And I need to know that I can have parking. And, uh, uh. and needless to say, my tenacious father comes back two weeks later. I got you the corner. What's the name of the restaurant? <laughs> wow. And um, thanks, Dad. we had to thanks, Dad. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Um, Don't mess it up. Right? <laughs> no, no pressure. pressure. Don't mess it up. Exactly. Um, we, you know, we, we, I mean, I grew up in that neighborhood, so I was very familiar with all the players. And, uh, you know, we would go to Capitol Grill for dinner. It was like the only bar in town. But um, the bar was not big enough at Capitol Grill at the time since they've doubled the size. But, uh, and I just thought, I, I need to do like a fabulous bar, lounge, modern steakhouse. I do just a cooler hit. And the bar till the very last day was always packed. It was so much fun. So we had 10 years there and um, couldn't make a deal with the landlord at the end, which is really too bad. But whatever, you know, it's a it's a journey along the way. And, and uh, so I opened that first. And then we were approached by a lot of people to open a lot of Mets. And we ended up doing Natick and Dedham and along the way made a deal in Back Bay. And that was roughly 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So that's wild. Yeah. Right? I and, mean, you've, you've had so much commercial success with Met. Things are going well. Like, I have to ask about Salty Girl because it just felt like such a departure. And I know we've talked a little bit about your inspiration for that, but maybe not everybody knows. Salty Girl was just, you know, we had this space that was we were using sometimes for private dining and then all of a sudden you know the staff was putting their sneakers in the backpacks and i'm like it's crazy we have 900 square feet with a separate entrance i've got to do something fabulous you know what should it be and then i traveled to barcelona and went to quidmit you said did you go to quidmit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right yep. i walked into quidmit and and i was like wow this is so cool no hood no heating devices <laughs> cans, the best cheese I've ever had, the best crackers I've ever had, mm-hmm. amazing wine. I just didn't want to leave there. There was something about the feeling of oh, that yeah. place that felt so good and transportive, you know, really transportive. So I had similar challenges at Salty Girl. I couldn't hood uh, the upstairs. Oh, so you couldn't cook anything because you didn't have a hood. So I knew I had to do something cold. So what was that going to be? And uh, and I knew that I wanted to do seafood. Um, I've always wanted to do seafood. I mean, I don't think you come from New England and 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 don't have that kind of also in your blood. You know, started to write a menu and thought like, how can I take it to the next level? How can I make it extraordinary? 
so that it's an experience. People are getting something they've never had before, and they're also getting things that they love, like a fabulous lobster roll. I knew I had to do both. And, uh, you know, I, I think the menu's super cool in that you can get anything from a tin to caviar and anything in between, you know, and, and New England staples, of course. But, um, you know, fish flown in from Japan. I mean, we just have the very best there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, Kathy, you don't strike me as someone who would care, but as a tinned fish lover, there must have been some people that thought that's crazy, opening a tinned fish restaurant. Well, I think <laughs> my team, I mean, when I tell you they didn't get it, they looked at me and my husband in particular like, <laughs> you have lost your mind. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No one's paying for tinned uh, imported fish. I said, yeah, yeah, I think they are. Just crazy that we open and we're selling like 250 tins a week. Wow. That's nuts. We just, you know, we just recently um, are now online. So you can buy the tins online and the potato chips online. And we just got an order from Arizona for like 30 tins. I mean, you know, wow. we have a really good selection, 65 different ones. And I think it's, you know, the restaurant business is changing, as we know, as is, you know, are most businesses. And I think there's some experiential quality to it, that it's something that people haven't had before. If they have had it, um, they crave it. Yeah, I was excited when Salty Girl opened. I didn't have a lot of experience with tinned fish, but um, the way you guys present, you know, the tinned fish with the the whole board of amazing quality bread and pickled peppers and, you know, the little pile of salt, different salts. Yes. Um, and it's, it really is an experience, which yes. I really enjoy. But beyond tinned fish, your, your menu is really innovative. Um, I mean, you have an amazing raw bar, but... Beyond seafood, uh, the steak tartare is oh one God. of my favorite steak tartares in Boston. Yeah, really. Truly, I, yeah. I haven't had so, that yet. I'll well, we have to... a yeah, we, sneaky good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I mean, I think we have a philosophy that if anything on the menu has got to be knock your socks off, and particularly in a fish restaurant, if you're going to do anything that's meat centric, it's got to be better than the fish. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, that tartare is never coming off the menu. It's, it's just, it's like a driving force. Yeah. I, I tell everyone who goes, like, you obviously you have to get seafood and try the tinned fish, but get the steak Yeah, I, I agree. A hundred percent. But I also think like, um, you know, when you're start or when you're opening another seafood restaurant in Boston, you have to set yourself apart like you have because there is a lot of good seafood in Boston. Oh, yeah. So. I think you definitely did yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah. Kathy, I'm curious. So obviously you had that space on Newberry. You were established in Newberry. Um, how do you sort of take that lightning in a bottle and bring it to timeout market? Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, I, um, you know, I think there could be different iterations of Salty Girl. Uh, it's, you know, you could just do tinned fish and some great Marcona almonds and that Pequillo pep- pepper sauce and great wine in an airport and have I'm a in. great experience. Mm, yeah. So I think there are iterations of it. Um, and I like the concept at Time Out. I like that they curated the best chefs in the city. And for someone who's a foodie like all of us, you know, to be able to come into a city and just sample a Tony Ma's burger and pasta by Michael Schlau and Jody Adams' Greek Street, you know, is unusual. You know, where all these other food halls don't quite feel like they have that curation. And um, I love what they did there. I think it's super fun and super cool. And we have a mini version of Salty Girl, way mini. I mean, we, we really are doing 
our greatest hits. So hot and cold lobster rolls. We came up with an uni arancini that's fantastic. A great uh, fish sando, of course, fish and chips. It's a little simpler, uh, more accessible, uh, because I think you're dealing with a very wide demographic. And uh, we've done really well. Oh, it's great. I actually went there before uh, we interviewed TJ and... Um... Uh, Hadley from the Urban Grape. I like, stuck my baby under the table and my husband and I snuck in and had lobster roll and right? tin fish. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, and tin fish is selling really well there. Oh, really? Yeah, really well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that market. I live down yeah. the street, so it's a great place to pop into yeah. and for lunch. And I'm sure there's a lot of foot traffic, right? You guys the, must be doing there's a, a lot of business. a good amount of foot traffic, particularly on weekends. And they're doing an ice skating rink there. Um, oh, and that on the, the lawn? Yes. Oh, that would be really cool. I was yeah. wondering what they were going to do with it when it, winter hits. Yeah. It's great during the warm, yeah. warmer months. But yeah. now that Trillium opened, that'll be a great. Trillium is awesome. Oh, yeah. I love Trillium. Oh, my God. Catherine, I have some exciting news. Remember our season one sponsor, Weinster? Yes, how could I forget? They curate great wines from small producers in the U.S. You browse their collection of unique, hard-to-find wines, and then they ship it straight to your door with fast, cheap delivery. Yep, that's right. But the exciting news is that they're officially opening their doors to their showroom in Seaport this spring. What do you mean a showroom? Can you buy the wine there? Well, you can purchase wine and join the wine club in the showroom, but you can't walk out with wine. They always ship orders direct to your door. Convenient, right? They host small groups interested in learning more about Weinster and the wineries in their portfolio for wine consultations at no cost. An expert wine consultant will lead the group through a curated menu of five wines and educate the group on each pour and the amazing small producers that make them. Guests will also learn about the many ways to purchase these typically hard-to-find wines, either by the bottle, through the wine club, or with many gifting options on the Weinster site. Um, that sounds amazing. When are we going? I think we're overdue for a wine date now that I'm not pregnant. Totally agree. I can't wait to check it out with you. The complimentary 90-minute wine consultations are by appointment only at the showroom, so let's get on it. If you're interested in learning more, head to www.weinster.com. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R.com. I would love to talk about the Salty Girl potato chip line. Yes. Can you tell us about that and what the process has been like launching a, you know, a food product from yeah, start to finish? Yeah, yeah. It's a very different experience than the <laughs> I daily can restaurant business. Um, I think the name Salty Girl uh, lends itself to a potato chip, and I always have felt that way. And we make really good potato chips with Salty Girl that come with the lobster rolls. And so we set about finding someone to co-pack and make the chip with us to our spec and with our seasoning. My son and I, Ben, works on special projects for me. And we literally tasted like 50 to 60 chips across the country. And it was just like, no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> I was really, I mean, very few were really good. And all of a sudden we get this bag of chips of all different flavors from Maine, made uh, from russet potatoes. And I just like, oh, my God, these taste exactly like our chips. I mean, the you couldn't tell. You could not tell the difference between the handmade ones downstairs. Don't tell your fry cook this. He's going to be so sad. I know, <laughs> right? I think they're really happy they're not mandolining yeah, that's thousands true. of potatoes. <laughs> so um, we, you know, found the chip. And uh, the packaging, Kristen Ez is the guy that has done all of my graphics and we worked very hard on the bags, and I think it really, um, it's really, it feels really cool. 
I'm 62 years old. Uh, you know, I've been told no a lot in my life. What isn't possible, what is possible. And I think Salty Girl is a tribute to what is possible. And it's really important to me, you know, that women of all ages uh, pursue what they dream about. And it's, it's possible. And um, so I think Salty Girl has come to mean something way beyond what I ever thought it would. And the product is like, wow, there's something you can take home from Salty Girl. There's something that, you know, you can take to the beach. <laughs> you know, and I'm a chip girl anyway. I love my, love my potato chips. I do too. You know, I love, love good chips. Me too. Yeah. Are, me too. We, are we going to see this in other food service? Like, are, will you wholesale to like wine bars and stuff? Are you seeing I, this You know, I've already been approached by several local people that we all love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yes, I am. I'm just cool. working on a six and a half ounce bag. Yep. Well, it's um, a great moment for it. I mean, with all these wine bars opening up and, right? you know, I think even potato chips are having a bit of a moment. Yeah. Yes. See some of the more people are willing to spend a bit more. No question. Um, well, the quality is, you know, I mean, undeniable. If it's good, it's worth it. Yeah. So, and we're, we put them on, um, we're doing three dips, a caviar dip at Salty Girl, which we did before, which we love, but now they come with, you know, our sea salt chips. And then we uh, just put on a, a baked onion soup dip at Metback Bay, which is served with the chips. And then at Stephanie's, we did a pimento cheese, which is hot and gooey, delicious. I love pimento cheese. Right, me too. One of on my anything. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I don't think you mentioned this. Can you tell us um, where the name Salty Girl came from? You know, I always referred to myself as a salty girl <laughs> and I was with a very close friend and we just were talking and I just said well you know I'm just a salty girl that's just uh, you know uh, uh, and I was like oh my god salty girl that's the name it's, it just literally came to me like that I'm like that's it that's it it just had a ring <laughs> well it's a great name yeah it is thank really catchy, you and the branding so on point and yeah the, with the chips and the restaurant clearly I'm a big fan over yeah. here <laughs> thank you so much so appreciate it really proud of you girls too oh really awesome you. what you've done thank you that talking about cu cu cutting a swath <laughs> through you know everybody else and what they're doing it's really awesome thank you yeah it's, I want to take advantage because you're here and you know we both obviously are co-founders how do you find time while executing the grunt work to have that bigger vision and well you know it's interesting your head in the right place? over uh, many years your job really changes and shifts and um, when you build an organization it's very different than having one restaurant and Sometimes it's not that easy to adjust to the shift in your job because you're so used to being hands-on in a very specific way. But in order to grow anything, you've got to let go. You've got to delegate. Mm -hmm. You've got to trust that the people that you pass things on to really understand the origins of the vision. And it's a process over a long time. You'll see. Uh, how it evolves. And when you look back, it makes so much sense how you give certain things up and then you take other things on. And ultimately, you gravitate to what you're very good at. And, you know, I'm again, I'm a really a marketing, advertising girl. Like I, I live for that stuff and the food thing. Like I'm, if the French fries aren't crisp, I start to shake. Like I can't <laughs> accept those <laughs> kinds of things. Uh, and running and growing the company is huge. I mean, it's my vision. It's where we're going next. It's how we're going to catch up to the growth and manage it. You know, that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. You know, how are we going to ship these chips to Arizona with <laughs> the 30 tins? Oh, 
oh, you know, but whatever. You figure it out. You figure it out. And I've heard, I think I've heard you mention before that your husband plays a large he role does. in he does. helping he, you through this roller yeah. coaster, right? Oh, yeah. No, he's um, steady, a super rock, and he's very, very um, financially savvy. He would refer to himself as the bean counter. I think he does a lot more than count the beans, but he counts mm-hmm. the beans really well. <laughs> That's a really important person to have in yes. your corner. <laughs> you know, you. I think you need both. I think you need somebody who has the vision and somebody who kind of keeps you tethered to the earth. And uh, it's not always the easiest combination, but I think it's necessary in any good business. And, you know, I think a lot of chefs have difficulty being successful because they are the vision people and they want to have the best and, you know, and they don't have that other component. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't have somebody saying, look, this is really first and foremost a business because at the end of the day, you can't do what you love to do if you can't have a successful business. So I think that's vital. I'm also curious to hear what it's been like working with your family for so long um, since you've worked with your sister. You know, um, Stephanie and I are very best friends. Like there's no one in the world, sorry kids, (laughs) that I would rather be with than my sister. And I venture to say she'd say the same thing. So we have a very shared view of the world. No one else has like that in my life or her life. So Um, that being said, she's the older sister. Um, I don't think it was easy for her when I opened uh, my first restaurant. I think she was protective. And I think she was, um, that had been her identity. So I think it was a shift for her to really embrace what I was doing. And I think, you know, I think she didn't know how it would go. I mean, you know, it's been an interesting trajectory. And I think we have both grown enormously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that already feels like years ago. And that was a difficult moment for us. But we both say it was the most essential thing because we got it to places that we had never really addressed in terms of our upbringing and our parents and what we loved about each other and what we didn't love so much about each other. And um, it was freeing for both of us, ultimately. But it took a lot of work. I'm sure. It took a lot of work to get there. Well, sounds like you have a really strong bond. Oh, no. She's amazing. She's my... the best. I don't have a sister, so I don't, oh my I don't God. know what that is. I'm I mean, sorry Sarah for you. feels like a sister now <laughs> at the Food Lens. Yeah. But I have, you know, four older brothers, oh, two, uh, two half-brothers, cool. and they have two half-brothers. Yeah, but you find sisters and other people, you know, but I, you know, I feel very lucky. You mentioned earlier, you're, you're 62 years old. You've had quite the journey through the restaurant world already, and here you are with Salty Girl and the Salty Girl potato chip line. Um, like I said, I stalk you on Instagram, so I love seeing all of your travels from Los Angeles to Miami. I think I saw you in Italy. Yes. Everything. It looks so fabulous. Yes, And I'm sure you draw a lot of inspiration from all these places. I do. But no question. is there any, are there any, is there any talk about expanding to any of these other cities? Well, yeah, actually, I'm flying to London uh, Tuesday night. Um, we've been approached by a, a British company to open in London. And so we went in August and met with them and made a deal. And so I'm looking at, I don't know, 10 different locations to pick one. And wow. So it looks like Salty exciting. Girl London. For Salty. That's wild. What right? a, wow, that's great. What um, a perfect brand. I don't know. I studied abroad in London and I just feel like what a perfect brand. For, right? I don't know. It, kind it of... feels so natural. Yeah. And I really am so careful about these things because I've had some that haven't been successful. And you know, that's life. You can't bat a thousand. But 
Um, it just something felt so right about the food that we serve and, you know, this little European piece, which is the tin fish and fish and chips. And, you know, I just I, I think we're going to keep it small and, um, you know, beautiful the way it is and see how it goes. That's you know? incredible. It's cool. I mean, let's hope. You know, yeah. we don't know. It's like anything in the world. You, don't, <laughs> you just don't know until you know. Yeah, and until you take the way that gets, jump. That's exciting and it's risky. And uh, it gets your adrenaline going again, that's for sure. Yeah, I want to know when Salty Girl, the memoir slash business book is coming out. <laughs> yeah, so right. we'll have to have you back on to talk about that. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, lastly, I just wanted to ask you about, there's obviously a lot of highs and lows through, you know, opening restaurants or starting any kind of business. Is there any moment that really stands out to you that you're especially really proud of or something that was really exciting that you that really stands out to you over your career? Um. Well, seeing the Salty Girl potato chip bag was really like, wow. I mean, I still look at it. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> like, I'm not usually that self-impressed, to be honest with you. I am very tough on myself, and I don't even see it. I am too. It's, I just I'm don't see it. it. We got to work I'm on really it as women. Still, I'm really critical of myself, yeah, and I'm really hyper. hard on myself, Me too. and I never really take give it myself in. the pat on the back. Sometimes such a double-edged sword, though, because how many people start things and like muddle through things that don't have that? I think you know, right. It's like mm -hmm. it's such a double-edged sword, and finding the balance. Yeah, I don't know. I tend to be like that myself. I mean, I can't. I don't really hear the good. Mm -hmm. You know, I just focus on the stuff that I know needs work. Me too. And so then when I see something that I like yeah okay like take that in yeah that's that's cool that's good celebrate it <laughs> um, so that was a real moment for me but you know what's interesting is I think the more pivotal things have come from what hasn't worked when I did the Met Club in Chestnut Hill our economy came to a, a, a screeching halt and when I first went into the business, and it's never come back. Like people were ordering three hundred, four hundred dollar bottles of wine. They were, you know, eating lavishly, uh, spending money on caviar and champagne. And I mean, literally, wow. we were like living in the roaring twenties. I mean, that's what it felt like. It was just a crazy time. And then suddenly, the world turned upside down, and literally overnight. No one was buying any wine. No one was spending money on food. Everybody was lamenting about the state of the economy and, and even the wealthiest people in a suburb like Chestnut Hill. So the fact that I adapted fast and adjusted fast saved my business. And um, at the time, I was asked to go into uh, a big fancy I would either, you know, do a big fancy version of the steakhouse or I'd do burger bars. And I think I just, the Ritz dining room had just closed or something. I thought, I I'm not doing anything fancy because the world is changing. Like I just saw it night after night. People are sitting at the bar and they're drinking beer and they're eating free popcorn and they're having a great time chatting with each other and they want to still be social, but they want to do it responsibly and affordably. And I just saw that coming and that's when I did the burger bars. Uh, and didn't do a fine dining in a restaurant. I turned that down. So that was a very pivotal moment for me. It sounds like your business sense really served you well at that moment. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like I could learn a few things from you. But I do want to wrap it up with our rapid fire round of questions. So could you name your favorite Boston dumpling? Gourmet dumpling house. Dive? Um, the little falafel bar in um, Central Square. Dessert? Paige Reedus is our pastry chef, and 
her pecan sandies are so good. And uh, lastly, date spot. I love Ostra. Guys, we are thrilled to be hosting Galentine's Day again with Oak Long Bar and Kitchen on February 13th from 6 to 9 p.m. Join us for a night of sipping, snacking, and sweets to celebrate the ladies, all while supporting Women's Lunch Place, a local charity that helps homeless women in Boston. For more information, check out the events calendar on thefoodlens.com. We hope to see you there. This podcast was produced by Ali Pham. A special thanks to the folks at the PRX Podcast Garage. If you enjoyed what you heard, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with friends and family. Your help means so much to us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show and check out thefoodlens.com for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston.